Retro Rebel Gamecast episode 30 is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook and 30-day trial at audibletrial.com slash Toddcast. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, or MP3 player. Welcome to the Retro Rebel Gamecast, where we discuss gaming and related topics for you, the listeners. Retro Rebel is released every week, and you can find this episode and much more by heading to templeofgeek.com, iTunes, or Stitcher. You can even find us on Facebook at Temple of Geek for exclusive content and see what else we're up to. My name is Stacy, and with me is my fellow Rebel host, Amanda. Hello. Hello. So, now that last week, uh, I, I believe... It's not a stretch to say you were a bit of a disappointment to us in your playing. So, what, a, yeah. what have you what have you been playing lately? I have been playing. Don't make fun of me. Oh, Slime oh. Rancher. Slime. So, so it's that good. You know what? It's cute, and it's a <laughs> game that you can just play until you're bored of it, and yeah. then walk away, and yeah. you don't feel bad. So I okay. played it for probably six to eight hours Yeah. Um, over the course of a couple days and, uh, you know, made a little ranch and got everything upgraded and unlocked a special area. And then I was like, okay, I'm done now. That was fun. It's yeah. fine. Check yeah. that box. Yeah. I didn't, yeah, I didn't, I didn't feel the need to like you know, grind 250 hours or whatever, because it doesn't really strike me as that kind of game. But um, it was free on Xbox, and I picked it up, and a friend of mine was playing it, um, The Smuggler. The Smuggler. A good gamer tag. And, uh, yeah, and he was like, "It's I don't understand the point of it, but it's a good time sink. And I was like, okay. And there really isn't any point to it that I can tell other than just making a bigger farm and creating different little slime creatures right. to collect their poops. Yeah. And <laughs> that's what, that's the point of the game. Yeah. Okay. So their, their poops are currency that upgrade your farm. So you collect your poops and then you upgrade your farm. And it was fine. I, you know, it was enjoyable. I, wouldn't say it is a runner for best game of any list, but it's not a bad game. The graphics are seen everything controlled the way you would imagine it should, given that you have action-based weapon. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of fun. It's shooting at the sky. I wasn't mad at it. It was fine. Nice. Okay. Um, and that was... <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it, it's the way you describe it, it makes it seem like it would be a game that would I would enjoy playing because you could just pick it up and I don't have a lot of time to play, sit down and play long periods of, of gaming. And so uh, a game like that would be kind of right up my alley, uh, which is exactly why I purchased a Nintendo Switch last week and got Breath of the Wild. Uh, Legend of Zelda, because obviously that's a game that you could just <laughs> that you could just pick up and you know and play thirty minutes and uh, you know never get lost and then feel satisfied and, and feel satisfied like, like you got it took me thirty minutes to get to a place where I I immediately got my ass handed to me 
uh, because I didn't have a sword or anything and realized that the stick that I just picked up really only is good for two or three swipes until it breaks. And then you got no more sticks, son. And then you got to run. And then you got to run. You got no sticks, son. Where your sticks at? Yeah. So you got no sticks. Get your stick out. It's right. So you're running around like a chicken with your head cut off trying to find another stick, and you can't find a stick because they're rare-ish. And uh, well, they're especially rare if you're running and you're having to fix the camera to face forward, knowing that you got people chasing you. And if you stop, then they're going to whoop your ass. And so, anyway. No, I'm stressed out already. I know. I was stressed. But be completely honest, it immediately, even though the story at the beginning, again, this is not news. I mean, this game has been out for six months or so. But more than that, maybe. But uh, but the point is, is that even though the story is light and uh, it's and I haven't played a Zelda game in since I don't even think I played Majora's Mask. I played. You show it your age. I know it. Well, you know, I wanted to play Skyward. Well, not Skyward Sword. Um, uh, is it? <laughs> what's the one where he's the uh, sailor? You are asking the wrong person. I, I could know. not hear us. I almost wanted to call it Windbreaker. But I don't think it's Windbreaker. Uh, we will. We're gonna. We're gonna research that. <laughs> Wind fail. You fail. I know. Wind Waker. See, I like Windbreaker better. It sounds like he farted. Wind Waker. Uh, anyway, so I did not play that one. That was the cell shaded one. I could tell you everything else about it. Um. I wanted to play it, just again, it was one of those where I think I was in between systems and, and that, that was a game I just never got around to playing. But I had heard really good things about it, and I heard that was kind of the last really good Zelda game. And I've been a huge fan of Zelda since the since the beginning. I mean, I had, I had the gold cartridge. The gold Nintendo cartridge that I absolutely believed was made of gold as a kid. Um, it was not, spoiler. Uh, but and it broke actually rather easily, but um, you know the, I've been a fan the whole time, and the and the story really hasn't changed a whole lot. You've got Link, you've got Zelda, you know there you there's the the legendary sword and all of these things. So uh, all these these are kind of tropes of that whole series, and and so when I jumped into this game, they don't really tell you a whole lot. You just kind of wake up like you've been sleeping, and then you go into the world. And the world is beautiful, and the sound is great, and I've played it handheld. I haven't hooked it up to my TV yet. You know, I've just played it handheld. And I think that's the best part of it, is that I haven't had a handheld system in a long time, and I can take it anywhere and play. And I, this is absolutely my favorite part, I think. And this is this is kind of small and petty, I guess, in a way. But the fact that it has a, it's got this case that your game comes in, and you've got this little fingernail thumbnail size cartridge that goes in your switch and then you just play there's no there's no fucking downloading 17 patches to get it to work there's no waiting for it to load onto your system it's like i plugged it in and i played it was fantastic i just got to play and you know for that uh, i don't know what price i would pay for the ability to just plug a fucking game into my system and get to go play it well, uh, how many Trump bucks did you have to pay for that? Huh? <laughs> well, his name, his his picture's not on our buck yet. Um, yet. But uh, I did have to pay a little bit through the nose for it. Um, 
How much was it? American. It was it was two ninety nine American. Yeah. I thought it was like sixty bucks. Oh no. Dem's Xbox prices, son. Oh, I know. Yes. Oh, and they nickel and dime you for everything. Yeah, that that would be my biggest drawback for. Although, that said, um, yeah, you're right. I mean, and it doesn't do nearly the things that the other two systems do, but it does things that those other two systems can't do. So, I mean, I really do feel like it would be a decent debate not you i think i'm biased to an extent and you are very and you are very biased um so i mean and and i'm acknowledging these biases so we may have to have someone that's a little more objective but i think it would be a decent debate to have as to see the merit of the price point for those two systems because there's you know handheld systems have predominantly been cheaper than any console um but the fact that this this system can do both it can it can actually function pretty well as an actual console if you plug it into the dock, but it also can act as a as a handheld. It's kind of what the Wii was supposed to probably be, but just didn't work out that way, you know. Or the Wii U, I'm sorry. Um, so anyway, I've I've enjoyed it. Like I said, it's light on story so far, um, but just exploring and collecting. Uh, for me again figuring out the controls of a completely new system uh i the joy cons feel great i i haven't really uh i haven't played with the pro joy con yeah no it's better than no. the wii it's better than the oh. wiimote why don't they just call it a controller no one cares what it's called well yeah i could i i you know i just didn't want you know the listeners at home to not know what i was talking about you know Oh, the blisters know you're fully indoctrinated into direct debit 5000. <laughs> That's right. Uh, I, yeah, I, I am. Well, that was a given. It really was a matter of I have walked past. I've gone into Target a hundred times since March or whenever it released, and, and more than that probably. And every time I will take this milk run route to go to the electronics section just to see if there was a Wii there. This is the first time in the history of my trips to Best Buy or Target that they had one. I felt like it was destiny that I uh-huh. had, I had to purchase it this time. And they didn't see like if they had if if they only because this is the uh, this is something that I think you'll appreciate. Actually, I think you'll mock it. Um, most of the Nintendo's uh, or the uh, Switches, you you can either get like the dark gray, like the charcoal colored. Uh, it's the console's charcoal, and then your Joy-Cons are charcoal. Or you can get a console that's charcoal-colored, and then your Joy-Cons are like a pink and a teal-colored. You don't even get two pink ones or two teal ones. You get one of each. Um, and I'm like, well, if that's the only choice I've got, I'm not getting it. You know, I'm, I don't want that will annoy That will bother me. I mean, I don't need to be able to find it that easily in a room. I want it to kind of blend in with everything else. Um, plus, what are my friends going to say? So, you know, I had to make sure I didn't get that, get that particular one. So I know was, all the kids at school can be so cruel. They can with be their cruel teasing. with their teasing. Oh. <laughs> so I, I did not, I was not going to purchase it. If that was the case, that was a rule that I made for myself. You know, I had standards when oh, I would, good. yeah, but 
to uh, to my surprise, they actually it was had, the charcoal one, wasn't it? It was the charcoal one. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I bought yeah, it. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel I sorry it. for your wife. Mm-hmm. She doesn't know. Does she know what you're wasting? She doesn't know. She doesn't know. She's gonna know now. <laughs> it's three hundred dollars. You kaplutzed on it. Let's be inarguably inferior systematic based system because it is not there. I don't think I like your tone. Not. I'd rather get a PS4. I'd rather get two PS4s. Uh, <laughs> what would you even need to? But that's just the point you're trying to make. I'd rather have two PS4s than one. Mm, that's that is a that is uh, a lot of hate. That's a lot of a mm. lot of hate. Well. You know, I think that if Nintendo can, you're right. Regardless, I'm not even gonna try to. Don't argue tempt it. me. I will. I'll get a Wii and keep it in my garden. <laughs> Do Wii sports outside <laughs> until yeah. it gets full of gunk? This right. oh, can't use it anymore. Well, that system actually oh, could probably God. survive out there. Um, that that's probably the most durable system of any system next to. I don't know. Putting, I don't know. That's the most durable system I've seen. So I've seen them drop from eight feet. And I've seen people throw the Wiimotes at it and hit it. Uh, it's a pretty durable system, so it could probably handle being in the garden. The Wii U, on the other hand, no such, no such thing. I, ha- <laughs> I, I have it too. You're you're welcome to it. You could have it if you'd like. Oh, no thanks, cheers. <laughs> I'll ship it for free. Um, don't even joke. <laughs> That can be what you've been playing. So that was that was uh, the majority of what I've been playing lately. Uh, I still have been playing Pyre, and I actually uh, have looked to get back into um, a couple other games that I have on Steam that I've wanted to get back into. Uh, one of them being uh, Life is Strange. Obviously, I've wanted to finish that one, but but the one that I was most uh, most excited about, but was very difficult to play with a keyboard, is Undertale, and that's an older game. It was from last year. Uh, it won lots of Game of the Year stuff, uh, and and I've wanted to play it, but I didn't have uh, the wired Xbox controller that you can use on your PC. And so, without that, that game is really hard to play. And so I've, I've been going back to Steam and playing a lot of the games that I had there that are actually way easier if you have a controller. Um, and, I, and I didn't realize what I'd been missing. And so Pyre, Undertale, Life is Strange, all of those uh, I plan on finishing. Maybe even before next week, which is a promise that I know I'm a, I just, I literally just now lied to y'all. There's no way I'm going to finish I know. This. There is no chance. No chance at all. But, uh, you know, a man can dream. A boy can dream. Um, so, topic, topic one. one. Topic one. Best game. Game of the year. So right now, this is, as we are recording, this is August. This is the end of August, and a lot of really good games have come out to this point. Um, Generally speaking, we play here on this show whatever we want to, whenever we want to. That's why we're rebels. We do what we want. But we have gotten an opportunity to play some of the games that have been released this year, you know, uh, and I, I... you know, I don't ever care to be a part of the conversation or any of that, whatever that means, uh, necessarily. But 
you know, if there are some games that are just better if they're played while everybody else is playing them, maybe you need another community um, that's active, and, and so it helps uh, if you're playing the game when it's popular. So, for this year, for anything that you've played that's come out actually this year, what would you say would be the game of the year? Well, I can't do anything by the book, can I? No. So, instead of taking year as calendar year 2017, I'm going to take it within the last 365 days. And the reason for this is because, at least for the Xbox, in my opinion, 2017 calendar has been sort of disappointing. Um, A lot of games that, that people were super amped for, like... Mass Effect Andromeda, you know, it didn't come out that long ago, and they just announced that they're no longer supporting the first player campaign with any more updates. I know, I saw that. That's very sad. Yeah, so they've just given up. They've said, it's a piece of crap, and that's what you get, and enjoy paying a 60 bucks for that, and we'll see you next time. Um, Things like For Honor, which I can see how it could appeal to some people, but it doesn't really appeal to me. Uh, it's just really slow and clunky and awkward. Um, other than that, like Gears of War 4 was fine, but it was only just fine because of how I played it, which was like installments on the weekend with my brother co-op. And I really struggled to remember where I was in the story from week to week. Nothing about it was terribly memorable. If you asked me what was up with that sort of Indian-esque troop of people, I couldn't tell you. Um, yeah. Because it just, it really didn't stick with me at all. Um, and even though it's more Gears of War, and I like Gears of War, and I think it's fun, and it was fun to play, nothing about the story was as memorable as, say, the one with Maria. Um, what's his name's wife? Like I remember a lot about that story because it was, was the, good. That's the first and second one, right? Yeah. Because I think the second one's um, when you actually. Yeah, when you find her, the second one's definitely my favorite first yeah. story. I get that Gears of War isn't really supposed to be about that, but I think that because they haven't made any advancements in how the other features of the game function, like multiplayer, or whatever. Like, Xbox has pretty much given up support for Connect, which is a shame because mine didn't come with one and I bought one. Yeah. Um, because my old Connect on the 360 had hand gestures and all sorts, and this one doesn't have that. Um, in fact, Xbox in general, as much of a fangirl as I am because it's the console that I have owned, I'm still very aware that they're going back in time. Netflix app no longer has the party feature where you can watch shows together, which was particularly annoying for me because I have a friend in Canada and we're trying to watch a series together on Netflix, Zoo, and we had to like call each other on Skype and then time things exactly. And it was just so much easier to do that sort of thing on the previous generation, which is nothing that I have ever said before about Xbox. And and even from 2016 to 2017, Xbox One has gotten worse. They stopped supporting Snap on almost everything. I use that feature constantly. We have a giant TV for that reason. Because for all the, Snap, the, for all Snap, the readers and, and listeners at home that might not know what Snap is, definitely not me. 
But for those people, could you explain what Snap is? It's definitely not me. Yeah. So it was a feature on the uh, Xbox One at launch, and I think they decommissioned it middle of 2016, maybe, but fairly recently, um, that allowed you to play a game and to snap as a picture-in-picture, like, sidebar, another app, which is great if you're like me and I want to play a game through my headset or silently and my husband wants to watch a documentary and fall asleep. So it allows you to do two things in the same room on the same TV, kind of independent of each other, which was a super important part about how we lived our life. Um, and it's, it's just not even supported anymore. Um, they used to have on the beta where you could stream things from your phone to the Xbox. They stopped supporting that. Um, just little things like that, that just decrease the value of a system that when you bought it worked better than it does now. Um, so for that reason, I can't find anything in this calendar year that I would say was a great game or a great feature or anything that's come out because things have actually like gone backwards. So the, the most recent game that I could find that, and I've talked about it quite a bit, but that I enjoyed came out end of October, 2016. So it's still within the last 365 days and that's Titanfall two. And that's just because it was a game that I dismissed because it didn't have any features I liked, which is basically any sort of single player whatsoever. And then when they added that in, they actually made an effort and it showed and it was a good campaign. And I feel like a lot of times once they've got your money, they stop caring recently. And Mass Effect Andromeda is probably a perfect example of that. Everyone thought when they did that early patch, that they were committed to fixing it and making it better. So people that bought the game were like, right, well, I can wait until they fix it. You know, I'll just play to a certain point or I'll, you know, start the game over again. And now they've said just a few months on, that's it. Um, you get what you get. And I, I feel like 2017 has kind of been a year of this is what you get. Um, for honor, it's a very shallow game. It could have been really good in my opinion, but this is what you get. Yeah. So, um, for that reason, the, the, honestly, the best game that I've played that come out in the last year is Titanfall 2. And that's because it, they could have very easily said Titanfall is a franchise with no single player campaign, but it looks like they listened to what people want. They made something that actually mattered and had an impactful story. So for that, they get my entire vote. They get the whole vote. <laughs> that's the only one I'm putting forward. They get the whole yeah. thing. Nothing else stands next to it. That's, you know, and that's so tragic. Well, tragic may be a strong word for it, but it is unfortunate when it was released uh, because it was released with so m- many other AAA releases that it kind of fell uh, in with the rest of the noise and, and didn't get the publicity that it should have. Because uh, on paper, Titanfall, the first one, just on paper sounds like something I would be really interested in playing if it had a story. The fact that it didn't have a story, it was multiplayer only, turned me off completely and is why I didn't play it. The second one having a story, it's like I you can't help that you're biased and you've already been kind of burned in, initially. And so you you judge it initially and, and you don't even give it an opportunity because you've already made that judgment. you know. And so the second one came out and I didn't even... It didn't even cross my mind that it would be something that I'd really be interested in playing. So, 
Um, but that's interesting. So, you know, if you had an opportunity, because, like, you are not a, a PS4 person. So, is there anything on the PS4 that might have piqued your interest, even though, like, for instance, like Horizon? Was that something that you would have? Because it seems like that might be a game you would have been interested in playing. Yeah, that's the downside is obviously I only have one console and we kind of really don't have space in our life for a second one. Um, I barely get to play as it is. So having two, uh, um, but um, Horizon looked like something that I wanted to play. I've never been able to play The Last of Us. I know there's another one coming out or has come out. Um, yeah. And that's, you know, that's kind of one of the games that's on my sucks that I don't, you know, I'm not made of money. Um, right. Otherwise I would. Um, and then... Uh, the there's like a prequel or whatever to Life is Strange, and I don't know if it's getting released on there first or something like that, or a prequel to The Last of Us. I'm not certain. Um, because I don't have it, I don't keep up with it really well. Because then it might make me want to go buy one. And right, it, not because I have anything against Sony or anything like that. And I think if you were going to give your money to more than one publisher, I'd probably pick them over other options. Um, you know, like any of the VR things or whatever, I think, you know, Sony's probably your best bet. Um, it's just that I don't want to get too excited about something that I don't have because then I will go and spend money and I just don't need it. Right. So <laughs> mm. it's kind of like a, yeah. it's kind of like a budgeting thing, you know, I'd rather go on six holidays a year, you know what I mean? <laughs> I don't. I don't know what you mean. I think I'd rather have these. I'd rather have things. I mean, duh. Who wouldn't rather have <laughs> things than go have experiences? Um. So okay. Well, you know, and I guess that answers that answers kind of my question because I, I know you're not inherently biased against those things, against like Horizon or having the opportunity because those are good games. There are good games that are on Sony, or on PlayStation, and uh. You know, and, and the fact that you just you're not able to play those games, uh, unfortunately, will make it to where you you can't make a a decision about games like that. I mean, that wouldn't even come up on your radar as a as one of the games of the year. Um, it would it's on my radar for games I would like to play. Like I would like to play Horizon. Uh, it sounds like I might just have to rent it, um, and I would not be able to finish it probably not before the end of the year anyway. But that's definitely a game I'd like to play. In terms of, of games of the year so far, I have gotten to play a few other games, uh, PC games actually, mostly, uh, that really piqued my interest because as I was looking through the games that have been released so far, uh, most of them did not appeal to me. Uh, I'm not, I mean, and I have both systems, and so I could, if I wanted to, have played some of those other games not interested in Resident Evil, not interested in playing it. I really want to watch somebody else play it. I do not want to play the Resident Evil game. I've heard it's actually really good. It's very entertaining. It's scary as hell. I would like to watch somebody else play it. But it's not a game that I think I would personally enjoy. Um, so for me... I'm pretty good at Resident Evil, actually. Well, you know, yeah. this is a different... I mean, I think you can play... Over, I think you can play third person, but I think it's mostly played in first person this particular one so it's a little bit different in the gameplay but i mean they they brought back a lot of the tropes like you have the herbs and you have other things like that that you have to combine for your health so that's all good um 
But there were, yeah, there were a number of games that came out like that I was interested in, but I just didn't, you know, uh, what things that I heard like uh, Neo, uh, N I O H, I believe is is how it's spelled. I think it's on PlayStation. Uh, I'm assuming it is because you haven't played it. <laughs> yeah, no, it is. That's not the type of game I would play anyway. It's a little bit too JRPG for me. Well, it's a lot like um, it's it's a lot like um, oh my goodness, brain, uh, Demon Sword, Dark Souls, um, that type of game where you uh, it's it's a get good type of game from what I heard. And get good. Get good. And um, you know, lots of there there are a lot of RPG elements where you're leveling up weapons. I heard there's kind of like some some parts of the system that are broken where there's really only one or two weapons that you really need. But I think that's most games that you could you know I, I don't like I don't have time. It's not that I don't like. It's that I don't usually have time to try to find the best combination of all of these things. It's like this is a pretty good weapon. I'm going to see if I can make it all the way through the game with this one. <laughs> Uh, oh yeah, I do the same thing. Yeah, it's like yeah. Unless I find something that is obviously better, I'm just going to keep this one. And it so, sucks when you find that really good one early on, though, and then you're like, "Well, everything I'm getting now is crap." Right. Like for the rest of the game, and I'm not going to change it. That is a bit of a shame. Then I find a really nice weapon. Well, sometimes I feel like I'm doing something wrong. If that's the case, like I found this one, why am I not finding anything else? You know. Um, yeah. So anyway, uh, Neo's one that I that I I thought that I might be interested in playing. It, it reminded me a lot of of Dark Souls, but it also reminded me of Onimusha, which was on PlayStation, which is a game I really enjoyed. Uh, a lot of rolling, a lot of locking on enemies and attacking and things like that, and you're dealing with demons and stuff. And so it's uh, it seemed like it was uh, similar in gameplay to that, much more in depth though. But those are. Neo and Horizon were both two. Those are two games that I that I really wanted to play that have come out this year. I did not get around to, and so I can't really give an opinion on them. Uh, but games that I did, and games that that really piqued my interest, and in, and and I actually did play two that I really really have enjoyed. I really would recommend, and I'm willing to bet will be up there for Game of the Year awards this year on other channels, not just ours, you know. But um. One of them is uh, What Remains of Edith Finch, which is the, uh, uh, the you might call it a walking simulator, but it's an, it's an adventure game uh, where you are, you're Edith, um, Edith Finch, and you're part of the Finch family, and you go back to your house, and uh, you've been away for years. Your mother, You and your mother ran off and left your grandmother there. You tried to take your grandmother with you, but she would not go. Um and as you go back, you go back to this house and you're pregnant and you're going, you're, you're trying to learn your history, like where you came from and why did your family seem to have such terrible, terrible luck? Uh, and I, yeah, I know I'm probably making this sound much worse or more lame than it really is, but it's, it's the way that the story is told <laughs> and, the, and the tragedy in each one of these stories, you know, and, and the, and the fact that what they ended up doing, and I guess it's just because I, I enjoy games like this that it's, they're more figurative. There's a lot of imagination involved. Uh, they they tell the stories. There's stories of suicide and of neglect and of of uh, you know and just tragic accidents. And and the way that they tell the stories, they tell them through pictures and they tell them through cartoons, kind of that are interactive and and uh, it's just very it's very inventive. 
it's an it's an incredible. I think it was a really incredible story. Uh, it is replayable. There are things that you will have missed many times the first time through. Uh, one of the stories, and again, you know, I'm a big wuss when it comes to horror games, and this this feels like it's a supernatural type horror game the, almost the entire time. But uh, you know, one of the characters, because you have the family tree. And you go through each one of the people on the family tree and you learn about their story as you go in through their rooms. All of their rooms have been sealed off, so you have to find the secret passages into each one of their rooms. And once you do, everything is left as it was, but you'll find little trinkets or, or diaries or toys or things that will trigger memories. And those memories are what tell the story of what happened in that room. And you have to interact, and once you've interacted through all of it and you've played that part of the mini game. It will check off that box, and that person shows up on the uh, on the family tree. And so you've you've learned what you needed to about that person to connect the dots in your overall family. Um, and then you know, and it's always in games like this. It's always the ending uh, that really ties it up, and that's what sells it, and that's what makes it hit so hard. Um, and so. You know, I just that that's that's why that game it just really sits with me. When I was done, I thought about it. It's a, the reason I think that it makes this list for me is because when I was done, I wanted to talk about it, but I wanted to really talk about it with people who had played it, so that we could share notes and say like, what did you get from this? And like, wow, what happened? You know, when this when you did this and and you saw what happened here, you know, how did that make you feel? Because I know like I. You know, it almost, it, yeah, it did. It brought me to tears. There were parts in that game that did because it's so, and it's not a really, it's not a long game. It's a game that you could finish in a sitting. It's like two hours long or something like that, two and a half hours long. But to me, that shows you that it doesn't matter. The length of the game doesn't matter. It's how it impacts you and, and you know, the how it makes you feel. And if a game can really bring you into the story and, and make that kind of impression on you, then it doesn't matter if it's a 200-hour game or if it's a, two-hour game that it that it still has merit um, and so that's so Edith Finch was one and although I haven't finished it I think Pyre is going to be up there as well um, I've gotten I'm about halfway through Pyre now I learned a lot more about what it's about and and let me tell you it is so much easier to play that game with a wired controller <laughs> than it was with the when you're trying to do directions and stuff on the keyboard oh, just 100% not that, always yeah, it's just, you know, you're you're using both hands on the keyboard, but it's like W, A, D for up, down, right, left, and then I've got to hit space bar or tab to throw the ball, and, and it's it was wild. Anyway, um, you know, as I said before, it's in, uh, you're in purgatory, and, uh, and, you know, and you're trying to get out, and the only way to get out is to perform all these rites, and you have to and you have to find the location under the stars to do the right. So, and the right is this um, this game that you have to play against another group that is performing rights at the same location. And um, like I said, the game is the game's really hard to explain. I mean, I could use football as an example because you do have to run with the ball. Um, you pick your team of three based on people that you've picked up over time. Uh, there's a lot of lore to it. There's a lot of reading. The music is fantastic. Uh, I've really, I've really enjoyed it. So that's that's those are two of my games of the year so far. I'm I'm willing to bet that they will be up there for awards somewhere. Um, 
and I'm, I mean, I'm, it's, to me, they were worth the investment. They're not overly expensive. I don't know that you can get Pyre on anything but the PC. Uh, but I might, I could be mistaken. You could, you could check on that. Uh, but if not, it would be worth, it's, I think it's $20, $20, 20 Trump bucks here. So, um, I don't know what that would be there, 25 or 30 pounds. Great British Great pound. And now is a quid the same as a pound? Yeah. Okay, just a slang it's term. It's just like a, yeah. It's like bucks. Bucks. Is to you, a quid. Dollars. Is to us. Okay, quid. Yeah, I, like I don't quid. know what the entomology of quid is, but it's a very satisfying word to say. It generally is. Speaking. It is. Like, just for me to say it uh, in reference, it was very satisfying. I'm satisfied now. Well, fantastic. <laughs> well, that topic is brought to you by our sponsor, audible.com. Books are great. Why don't you enrich your life and check out Audible's trial service by heading to audibletrial.com slash Toddcast and receive a free audiobook and 30-day trial to check out their service. Amanda. What is our recommendation this week? Our recommendation is actually a set of BBC radio series hosted by who I think is a very funny comedian, David Mitchell. Um, it's called The Unbelievable Truth. And he's like a fairly posh English guy who's generally cranky about everything. Um, and he's, he's got a quite witty presence. He's extremely well spoken and quite clever. And he's been doing, I, I want to say there's almost 20 series of this radio show. It's fairly popular, but you can get it on Audible and each series is like maybe two hours ish. Um, oh, nice. so you, you don't have to invest tons of time in it. If you like his style, you can, you can give it a try. Um, but he kind of just talks about life and, and debunks things and makes comedy out of everyday situations. It's pretty good. So if you're into that sort of thing, you like British humor, then you might enjoy the Unbelievable Truth Series 1. Unbelievable Truth Series 1. I actually recently listened to um, Everybody Lies uh, by the <laughs> last name author Davidowitz. He's a he's okay. a he's a big um, big data researcher. Uh, went to Stanford, and I think he also went to. I may be mistaken on that. I know he went to Harvard as well. Um, anyway, very intelligent man. Uh, very, I think some of his findings will be controversial, but very enlightening. It's uh, it's very very. It's very all of these things. Uh, I listened to it. It changes the way I think you think about how data is analyzed and how you consume information. And I know that sound that may sound very heady, but basically all I'm saying is the book, it talks about how we Google things and how that how those Google searches are used to predict our behavior or how they oh, yeah. can be. And predictive you know, modeling. It is, it is, and and you know, for for marketing purposes, that's huge. For but there are also nefarious ways it can be used, and and that's and there are, and there's research ways that it could be used to help explain why and how people do things that they do. And so anyway, it's a everybody lies. It's actually a really it's a really good book. It just was released this year, um, and it's got findings, uh, you know, as recent as our most recent. Uh, election so 
I mean, it's pretty current if you want to go through current events and how uh, data is being analyzed. So that's another good book. But anyway, you can head over to audibletrial.com slash Toddcast to get that free title now, or you can choose from over 180,000 other titles today. Support us by heading to audibletrial.com slash Toddcast and get your free 30-day trial started today. Topic two. Not controversial at all. Equality in gaming. Definitely not controversial. Boo. So, boo. <laughs> <laughs> so, so in terms of equality and feminism, you know, there are games that have done it right. There are games that have that have shoehorned it in, potentially, allegedly, whatever. Um, do you have any examples in your experience where you feel like feminism has been done well? And maybe an example of where you feel, or maybe multiple examples of where you think it's been done well, and where you think maybe it's been shoehorned in or done really, really poorly. <laughs> maybe you'll even have uh, games uh, where it's yeah, both. You know. You know, I tend to be. <laughs> yeah. Um. I would say. I probably have some controversial things where I've been. Uh, I definitely mentioned it before, but I feel like the game series Bayonetta yeah. is actually a pretty empowering female character. Like because she's creating her own like outfit, the way she looks, her shoes, everything out of her own hair. She's decided she wants to look like this. No one's like forced her to look like that because um, she could make her outfit into anything uh, right, right. it's her hair so yeah. I kind of like that you know she, she's like tall and thin and whatever all those sorts of things but like she dresses in a head to toe latex looking outfit because she wants to that's what she's made her hair look like so I feel like that's a pretty like cool way of saying that you can kind of you know, you can look like whatever you want to look like. Nobody's, like, forcing you to wear battle armor that doesn't cover your midriff, for example. Um, so I kind of, I like Bayonetta as a character because, you know, she's sassy or whatever. And um, she has a lot more agency than I feel like you get from characters like Tomb Raider. And right. Tomb Raider as a franchise, I feel has probably done this the worst. Um, cause they went from one extreme to another, like, yeah, yeah. you know, I can't think of any documentary I have ever seen where any archeologist has ever worn anything like what Lara Croft wears. It's only because it's not practical. Um, it's usually really bloody hot. Like everyone I've ever seen is wearing, like even the female archeologists are wearing like, big cargo like sleeved shirts and cargo yeah, shorts there are and, bugs you know, and animals that will give you diseases You're yeah supposed to be covered yeah exactly yeah. so i feel like it's fine if you wanted to wear a tight version of that but it just doesn't make any sense you know if you go to the beach in full cover that makes as little sense as if you go on safari in a bikini you know, right. it just is practical. So that that's what I would say. Um, the number one thing that I see that, you know, is the opposite of equality and the opposite of feminism is when they dress characters in impractical clothing. Like in some situations, it is practical. You could wear, you know, 
yeah that but in the case of Lara Croft it isn't practical um as far as the like body design or whatever the fact that she has a huge chest that doesn't really matter as much to me that doesn't bother me at all it's more that they thought that was a suitable outfit now <laughs> when they did the reboot they went the other direction they made her chest smaller they put her in trousers, but they still are showing a midriff. You know, they kind of youthified her a little bit in a creepy sort of way. When I look at the new Laura Croft, there's nothing attractive about her because she looks incredibly young, like a bit too young, like creepy young. Like she's probably (laughs) still should be going to university. She shouldn't be like exploring tombs and stuff like that. Um, so I feel like that's the one franchise that hasn't figured it out. I don't think anybody ever cared what like her proportions were or anything like that. I don't think anybody cares about that. It's just more about the suitability to the story of how you dress and portray the character. And she's a badass, but yet she isn't dressed for the environment that she's in. It's very strange. Um, Yeah. So I would say that's probably that's probably the one franchise I could pick out that I said has never done it right. Because even when they try to fix it, they go really far in the other direction. And to the point where it made it kind of unplayable for me because I, I just looked at the character and I didn't see anything that I understood. You know, being kind of older, maybe if I was younger, I would, you know, she sure. would look like me or something. But, you know, not really. Um, <laughs> but you could have related in some way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, where I find questions of equality is that sometimes it's super obvious. So even though I thought that Dragon Age Inquisition probably did equality as good as you could in a fantasy game, um, I feel like there are a lot of stereotypes, like how come the campus guy that's there is automatically the gay one, you know? (laughs) <laughs> like, why it, Why is the, you know, the Iron Bull sort of androgynous and doesn't care? Is that just because he's a foreigner? You know, I, <laughs> I felt like they made kind of very obvious connections. You know, why is the slightly butch looking one the lesbian? You know, like, I feel well, like they, yeah, I feel like they're trying to do inclusivity, but like, give you a hint as to what right. you're going to get it's a little, because it's they're a little hand-fisted, you know, yeah. Yeah, and that that was not a, as bad as it's been obviously. I would say Mass Event Andromeda was the worst where really? the only yeah, the only hot female character that you have on the whole ship is in the dudes. The all the other females are kind of grody like PB her face is smashed, yeah. Like, <laughs> it's not great. And she's also, like, kind of nasty. Like, she's too overt. People don't really act like that, you right. know? And I just, it was very strange. Like, I get that you're an alien and you're from a matriarchal society and things are different. But in the other, in the other, games, you know, yeah. series of the games, they weren't nasty. Like, well, there was a lot of nuance crafty. between that race, you know, and that was the thing. It was like you'd have some that were like very sensual and then you'd have some that were very reserved and you'd have some. But they all had the underlying tones 
of what made their race unique. And, you know, and they're so anyway, if, I think that goes along with what you were saying. But, uh, you know, yeah, they, yeah. they weren't as overt, you know, not all of them. Anyway, you might have one that is, but you'd have others that you could, you know, some just kind of worked at a kiosk and were normal. You know, you just did, you know, there was enough diversity in the game within their own race that you could see that there were characteristics that might be stereotypical if you want to put it that way. But, you know, you wouldn't assume, and I don't know, it's just, they, they weren't all the same. Yeah. So I, I felt like, you know, I felt the Asari were are always pretty elegant and classy. So yeah, I yeah. felt like it was kind of a disservice to the cast. Like right. when Hebe was just, she was kind of gross and a bit much. And I didn't really enjoy it after a while. It became like grating. But, you know, I feel like, you know, when you play a game, you kind of want a bit of escapism, you know, right, and... Right. You know, it's fine if you want to play a different looking character. Like when I played Overwatch, I loved to play as that huge tank chick. What's her name? The oh yeah, like fight Philo or whatever her name was. Um, but she was like massive or whatever. But she was like Brunhilda, and I was totally down for it. And I played this her, her almost all the time. Um, you know, and I liked that. Yeah, she's awesome, and I liked that I could play as her, or I could play as somebody pretty, like, you know, Widowmaker or whatever. It doesn't really matter. Um, I just I just find that when they try to, like, dull everything down, you know, like, yeah, people in real life aren't as, you know, good-looking as people in most video games, but I'm also, like, I'm living real life, so right. I'm good. You know, like <laughs> right. Well, and let's you know again. That, I think this gets into a difficult, a, a complicated conversation. Whereas, if you were going to make yourself in a video game, okay, if you're going to make yourself in a video game, are you going to make yourself be exactly as you are? I've gone back and looked. Actually, I, I did a little experiment on my own, and I went back and I looked at at games that I've played. From especially wherever I could create my own character, and my own character, the character that I create in the game is almost exactly the same every damn time. Like I go back, and the body style is the same. It's the body style that I would like to think that I would have, even if I don't have it. It's like square chested and tall and and muscular, and even if I'm a Sith Lord that never has to pull out a, a lightsaber or punch anyone, <laughs> I'm the biggest dude in the room, you know. And, 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 or, you know, I don't, I, I guess I just, I, when I go into my character on Mass Effect Andromeda, wasn't necessarily barrel chested. Um, I actually got a little bit more creative with him, but I still think that, you know, you're, I didn't go in and make someone I thought was unattractive. I may have, I did create someone who I think was unapproachable. <laughs> Yeah, I've I've got I've never like, made an ugly video game character. No, like, you don't. You don't go into you don't you don't do that. Like the only thing that I, I think the thing that I did that made my character the most unapproachable was I have uh, a tattoo that goes over my eye. It's like these four or five lines that go over my eye, um, and it's just on like the left side of my face. And I was like, man, I think that looks I think that looks cool. I do not think that would be the most popular choice, <laughs> even in this day and age. But, uh, you know, as, like, as I was creating my character, I was like, this is making him unique. He's got this scar here and whatever. And I had an idea of the story behind all of this stuff. Uh, so there was a rhyme and a reason. 
but like you said, I didn't make him to be unattractive. You know, I didn't. I don't think anybody does that. So we're doing a a hyper realistic, maybe even unrealistic version of maybe ourselves when we're creating our character. If you're making a male or female, and you are male or female. I know a lot of people that, that are male that play female characters and they want to play, but I bet you they're still not making an unattractive character when they yeah. are playing, you know, so. I I have seen unattractive characters in games. Right. But sometimes I do know the people behind them and yeah. they've still made a more attractive version of themselves. You know what right. I mean? Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know. That is not an easy conversation to have. <laughs> Because we are talking about a subjective uh, variable, you know? Um, but I'm 100% with you. I'm 100% with you and, and uh, agree that that is the case and that is uh, exactly what what is, it happens at this time. You know, nobody's creating a character that's not attractive. So you gave examples of, or you've given examples of how it's not, necessarily done well so and so what was your you were you were you were talking about your point so you would like to be surprised you said yeah i i don't want to have my first interaction with a character and instantly be like oh he's the token gay character excellent you know what i mean i feel like sometimes you sort of know right off the bat like the second that i met pb and max effect i was like okay yeah, she has zero scruples. So um, she's she's the version of Jack that we get, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, so I just feel like that sort of thing could be improved on. I, I think that when you meet people in normal circumstances, that's never one of the first things that comes up. And you right. oftentimes can't tell. Right. So yeah. I think if you know, games are going to be more realistic and more inclusive, then they need to shoot more for the middle and less the extremes of any particular group. Right, because what I think in the end happens is you you end up with a character who's more defined by that than they are what they do in the game, you know? And so you get distracted or you it, that particular point you, it, it causes you to lose everything else that made that character unique. And uh, and I think that's unfortunate because, like you said, to me that is not what defined the character. You know, the character. If that is the most interesting part of the character, then you did a you did bad. You did a bad job. You did a bad job writing that character. If that was the you did a bad thing. You did bad. Um, so yeah, I, I agree. Uh, I agree completely with those. Uh, you know, there we could go on and on, and I'm not here to rehash or even social justice warrior this thing because it's that's not my place and i don't i'm i'm not even really necessarily sure where i stand on a lot of those issues in terms of like i'm I'm not gonna completely bash or banish certain games because of those particular mechanics yeah i think that there's a probably a problem with the balance of feminism and and equality in games uh there's there's no doubt in my mind that there is there is in life um but, uh, you know, I, and I think it's been done really well. You know, I, I did not get offended that the female characters in Gears of War were a little bit different armor than the male characters did, especially in the fourth one. But I'm not a female, so I don't look at it the same way. In fact, I didn't even look at it. It didn't even cross my mind. 
Um, but until somebody else brought it up, and then I looked at it, and I was like, well, yeah, okay, well, you could shoot her in the stomach, actually, because you can see it. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So maybe that doesn't make as much sense, you know. Uh, but regardless, like if you had made the armor, you know, drop about six inches to where it would touch her waist and go up a little bit higher to her neck, it literally would not have changed who the character is because I can't see her. I'm third person view of the main character and I don't ever see yeah. her. So, you know, unless you're showing me a picture of her, which is the only way I really ever saw her in her, in her entirety. I would have never known. I honestly swear to God, I would have never known. So, mm. you know. Uh, you you know what I think about, though, whenever I'm playing a game, because 90% of the time, you cannot be a female character. Right. So somewhere in the back of my mind, like when I'm playing some of my favorite games, like The Witcher, for example, which is awesome. But how come is it that this story only applies to a dude? Right. Like... They could very easily have a female witcher. I don't think Geralt of Rivia is any different if he's a dude or a chick, if you know what I mean. Like, they yeah. could both have the same experiences. They could both have the same game. So I would say any game that lets you experience the story through your own eyes, if you want to, as your own gender, is probably doing it better than a game that doesn't. I know that sometimes that, you know, they they want you, you know, they want to tell you a specific story, but I feel like seeing it through a specific character's eyes is only necessary when you're watching a movie and you have no sense of agency. But yeah. when you're trying to really immerse yourself, I honestly struggle to immerse myself as a dude, even a cute looking dude with cool hair. Um, because at the end of the day, that's not my experience. Like, right. I don't. I don't know what it feels like to have pectorals. You know what I mean? <laughs> so when I'm choosing armor for him or whatever, right. it's just one of those things where I, I think that in movies, they have the total right to tell you this is this person's story and you're going to watch it happen. Fine. Right. Right. But in a game, you're doing it. So every time you can't play as the kind of character that you want to play, they're saying that that story only applies to someone else. Yeah. Not you. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I agree, and I and you know I think that's another difficult conversation to have, or one that people just don't. There's nothing. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. With you wanting to play from a perspective that you're familiar with, you know, if you're if you're a woman, you want to play a you would be interested in playing from a female perspective because that's the perspective you know, and as a man. I've never made a female character, um, and it's not because I have anything inherently against. I have two daughters. There's nothing. I have nothing against women. Not that that inherently makes me pro-feminist or anything, but just the idea that I, I mean, like I, I, I just don't have any perspective from that. It's not. It's not. It would not be the the gaming experience that I was interested in to make a female character, although I know a lot of people that do, and a lot of males that will make female characters, and there's n literally nothing wrong with that. It's just not my perspective. It's normally I don't have enough time to go through the game twice, once as male and once as female, so I choose to do it from my perspective whenever I get the opportunity, and I make the character the way that I see fit every time. Like we said, 
generally it's a good looking dude with square shoulders and <laughs> tall and you know lots of muscles you know that's just how i yeah. g- generally make my character and um, i think the difference is is that 90 percent of the time it's already like that anyway for you whereas almost every absolutely. game i play yeah i am forced to be a genderman player which is why almost horizon, all the time <laughs> which is why horizon might have been such a, a good ex- potentially good experience with it being a female protagonist and and uh all from her perspective and there is no choice like you don't choose to make it a male character it's a female character you know so that's that's rare and to put so much thought and work into a game like they did with horizon apparently it is um it's every bit as big as a witcher uh and deep and and uh the, supposedly has a very good story and, and it's very original and uh, I imagine it's going to get lots of awards as well. So, um, for me, uh, you know, we I think we've touched on all the the major characters and some of the issues. And I agree with you 100%. I think that if it's possible, uh, that whenever it's possible, that you that you give the opportunity to allow the player to play it the way that they want to, male or female. It, it takes a little bit of extra effort, but as we discussed earlier in this episode. The the length of the game isn't necessarily as important as the experience. That's my opinion. I don't care if the game isn't necessarily as long. I mean, Titanfall Two is only ten hours or twelve hours, right? And so that's yeah. a, that's a so that is completely. You can read a four hundred page book in a, in a few hours, and the idea that you can't in a, in a great movie that covers you know a ton of material is two and a half hours. So the fact that you're getting a game. And granted, you're paying a, a lot of money for that game, unless you're Amanda, and you're renting it. But yay, and, uh, yay! <laughs> but uh, you know, those of those that buy the games are uh, you know paying a lot of money for an experience, and that experience isn't necessarily equal to the length of time that you're playing it. Usually, based on the the price that you pay. So uh, I don't know. I just think that you could shorten a game, you could add more substance to a game, you could do a lot of things to a game that would that would in improve the experience um and and not just have to pad it with unnecessary uh fetch quests or make it make the world so big that you just it takes a lot of time to get from a to b but there was you didn't really accomplish anything there was no experience there it just was long for the sake of being you know or big for the sake of being big um for me uh I, i just wanted to mention one female character that i really have enjoyed you get to play as her, um, but primarily she's she's kind of uh, it's, it's more of a passive experience with her and the way that she's written. And the Uncharted series, Elena's really, I think she's written really well. Uh, again, as being a not female, uh, I do not know what it is to be a female. But what I like about her is Nathan Drake is a is a man child that. Uh, <laughs> that uh, you know is r- relatively irresponsible, and uh, you know and has trouble keeping his word, and is constantly getting himself into issues. You know, Elena is a level-headed woman who is tired of his shit, and in the last game, in the fourth game, um, there is I think it's a whole level where you're with her in a jeep, and you're in the jungle, and basically. You're hashing out your relationship with her 
as you drive through the jungle. And you're having this dialogue between the two of you. And you're getting to hear her basically say, look, I'm tired of your shit. You need to figure this out. If this is really what you want to do and you want to be in her, you know, you want to do this, that's fine. If you want to do this with me, that's fine. You got to stop lying. You got to stop doing these things. And, you know, and she could take care of herself. I mean, she kind of kicks ass. And whenever she's in a situation where it's just her having to do something, she she handles it. She takes a gun and she shoots somebody. I mean, I think she's murdered a few people in that game, too. But. You know, the way that she was written and the way that she handles herself, it's like she is every bit his equal in terms of, you know, wit and strength and, you know, and and obviously she is his moral compass as well because he can't get his, you know, can't get it together. So, you know, without her, I don't think you have the grounding. I mean, she's the foundation, I think, in the end of that game. You are playing through Nathan Drake's eyes. You do get to go through his backstory and meet his brother and learn about his time at the orphanage and all that stuff. But she is the foundation of it, in my opinion. And I feel like she was a very realistic character. Of all the things that are absolutely unrealistic in that game, she's probably the most realistic thing. And the thing that grounds it. And the thing that you always you keep coming back to is like, well, this is the realest thing of this game. This is the thing that you're ultimately playing for. You might be trying to get all of these artifacts and you know you're trying to locate your history and all this stuff and in the end all it does is bring you back to her and so i really liked her as a character and and the ending of that game is very satisfying because of that and how well she was written to me um yeah because it ties it all up Uh, really well from that description i thought you were gonna say clementine from the walking dead at the beginning i really like clementine as well i think clementine is done really well i think when you're when you're done when I was done playing Uncharted, when I was done playing even the first two, and I, I'd throw Frontier in there, the new Frontier as well. When you're done playing those two games, it's not even the, the third or fourth thing I think about is that she's a female character. And I think that's that's a good, that's yeah. a well-written character. When it's not the first, second, third, fourth, fifth thing that you think of is, that, oh, and she's a female, you know. It's like... Yeah. Clementine's a badass. Clementine was vulnerable. Clementine did all these things. Elena did all these things. And the last thing I I think of, if I even think of it, if you brought it up, would be, oh, oh, yeah, and she's a female, you know? Yeah. I think Clementine is probably one of the best written characters because you can't control the outcome regardless of how hard you try. I know I mentioned this when we talked about the game, but, you know, I... Which you you didn't like. (laughs) Yeah. I didn't like it because it didn't function like a game. It functioned like a person, you know, right, regardless right. of what you do, yeah. you can't control people and how they're going to end up no matter how hard you try. And I yeah. felt like that was the first time where people functioned as people and not as game for right. me. Right. Everything else, like every other as good as other games are, I know that if I give so and so enough gifts or talk to them on the ship enough or whatever, right. they're gonna like me. Yeah. Um and with Clementine, it's hard for you to tell the choice that she would prefer. Right. You know, yeah. it's almost impossible to tell. Some of the choices are so nuanced. Like, is it better that we leave now or leave in the morning? What do you want? I don't know what you want. (laughs) And eventually you stop worrying about what she wants and just try to do what you think is best or what your character would do. And sometimes it doesn't really have the outcome that you hoped that it would. And that's 
people and that's doing people things. So yeah. I feel like that's probably the best example of some time where, I mean, Clementine's a child. She's still a child, even right. through the most recent game. Yeah. And yet she's probably more well written than half of the other stories about adults that people can relate to more. I mean, I, I highly yeah. doubt that there are children contributing to the story on, you know, you know the on best, The Walking Dead. Well, I, I would say uh, one other character that I think was, uh, well, first of all, to, to add to what you're saying, the uh, the characters in The Walking Dead, the main characters, um, Lee, I believe, is the first main character, right? Lee, Clementine. Yeah. And then Javier. Um, yeah. I feel like they are all pretty well written. You know, in the end, when you're done uh, playing those games, it's like you you saw the struggle. Uh, they, they felt very well developed, and even with Javier, who I you know was a twit at the beginning, and thought that you know okay, I I cannot I cannot relate to this character. Um, it took a while to get to where they developed, and over time and over the episodes, he became a full fully fledged character you know uh so you know anyway i i feel like they were all written well but other than that i, I felt like maybe they weren't necessarily there's another female uh, character the character of ellie in the last of us is also i feel written she's very similar to uh to clementine in in their evolution and how they evolve over the course of the game yeah and so you've got you've got Clementine and Ellie as they are, they're jaded, but they're they're still children, you know. And so they they're they they're afraid, and they've got you know they've got fears that children have, and, and you know, and they don't have the world weariness that you come to expect from somebody in a post-apocalyptic world like is in both of those games. And over time. You and over experiences of just just if you put yourself in those situations, the most terrible experiences. Uh, you know, Ellie goes through. I, I mean, like I, I said, like I, I will ship you my P. I, I will do this. I'll give you my PS3 hey. so you can play Last of Us because to me it's one of those things. It's like giving you a good book that I just think you need to play. You need to read. Uh, it's it's like a it's to definitely me definitely on the list, man. Yeah, it's it's one of those games that. Uh, when I was done, uh, it was a punch in the stomach because of how real it is. Like, you you get to make a few decisions in it, but generally speaking, you're on a roller coaster and you're you're experiencing this through the eyes of Ellie and Joel. And um, it was written in a way that I just felt is this is how it would probably happen. You know, this is how it would happen if you were in a post-apocalyptic world where people were face mushrooms and, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and uh, you know, and, and you couldn't trust people because in the end, the same themes are there. It's not just these monsters you have to fear. It's how people are and how how people change when, you know, everything, everything goes to hell and, you know, and you got to figure out what is your character and who are you. And um, and Ellie Ellie goes through some of the most traumatic things uh, that a young woman could ever have to go through, and feel like she was she was written really well and really believably. 
you know, and, you know, she had, I, I believe in the, in the, um, I, I could be mistaken, but I'm about 99% sure that in the, uh, DLC that you get, which is prequel material, you get to, you get to experience what happened to her beforehand with her and her girlfriend. So, I mean, she had a girlfriend before you meet Joel, you know. And so she had already been through a whole bunch of stuff. And I didn't play the DLC, and I wish I had. I just, again, it was one of those things I didn't have time. Um, but you kind of get to see where she came from and why she was the way she was when Joel meets her, you know. Um, so anyway, I, I felt like great characters. There are some good ones out there that can be done better. Uh, but I think we are getting better in the way that those characters are written. And the bottom line is, if a character is written so well that their gender or their sex is the last thing that you think of, then you did it right. You know, if if you can describe them, it's like <laughs> this is how you know. Try to describe Padme Amidala from Star Wars. Yeah. Just cool hair. I'll wait. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, cool hair, nice dresses, girl. Um, yeah, yeah. So, no, there's no badass lipstick. Yeah, no, there's no substance there, nothing at all. So you did it wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Well, good. Well, for our last segment, our last our last topic, we always like to end the episode with our featured favorites, where we discuss one of our favorite games uh, through across all the console generations and genres. So. Uh, and create an overall list that we will uh, we will post on our site for you guys to peruse. These are what we consider the our favorite games. So they may not be the best games, but they are definitely uh, some of our favorites. So Amanda, what is your featured favorite this week? My featured favorite is Rock Band Four. Um, Rock Band Four. Yes, I I think I've played. Yeah, I've definitely played all of the Rock Bands. Um, up until four. I don't know if there's any more after that. I kind of became an adult at a certain point. Um, and Speak just didn't, you know. <laughs> well, it was more the investment. So obviously at a buck a song and the downloaded songs are the best ones, you know. Um, it just wasn't a sustainable business model for me to partake in. However, I did, you know, have I think around 500 or so um, downloaded songs that you know, I took with me over here when I moved and it's just fun. Um, my husband being the handyman that it is even made like a rig so that I could play guitar and sing at the same time, like to hold my (laughs) controller to my belt loop so that I could do both. Um, so I really enjoyed it. I had a lot of online fun as well. I still have a five star expert Bohemian Rhapsody run through, which is pretty impressive. Um, and on vocals, might I say, which is hard. Um, but I really enjoyed it. You know, it was like hours of fun. I, you know, played it with friends. It's kind of a party game. Sometimes, you know, we do dust off the old controllers every now and then and give it a go. Um, and I just think it was really kind of indicative of its time and where people thought gaming was going. It kind of came out, you know, around the same time. Well, the original rock bands came out around the same time as the Wii when social gaming was becoming you know, quite popular for a brief period of time. Um, and I think it sort of filled a niche that really no game had done well before. You had karaoke-style games, but nothing with that level of interactivity. So that firmly puts it in the featured favorite list. 
Very nice. Okay. And I was definitely a fan. Never owned that particular game, but it is a fun game, uh, especially with uh, with a party or if you're in a group. Was never great at karaoke, so was never great at the vocal portion of it, although it was probably easier to get some of the vocal things than it was the drums. Uh, I love drums, man. Oh, I love the drums. I love the drums. Um, anyway, for me, uh, and I can't believe that I hadn't listed this one yet, but I think I was saving it for uh, when you know I was in a pinch and I was struggling to, to try to space out games that were similar in genre because I was going to add another sports game. Uh, this week, but I did that last week. So this week, uh, probably one of my this is one of my favorite games and critically acclaimed of all time uh, is Knights of the Old Republic. Uh, I have not listed this one. Jesus, like I said, I couldn't. stealing all of these games! I can't believe you haven't listed this one. <laughs> I know. Jeez. I know. I haven't. And uh, the thing with Knights of the Old Republic that and, you know it needs it really doesn't need a whole lot of uh, defense. I don't think uh, anybody that's played it. Um, but it, to me, and in my opinion, it is the best Star Wars game that's ever been made. Uh, it is, there's so much freedom, uh, the idea of who, uh, who your character is and, and your ability to kind of shape who that character is over throughout the story, how they weave who you are into the narrative. Uh, you know, they do all the flashbacks of you listen to the Jedi Masters and they're giving you all these hints and you're like, the first time you find out that you're Revan, to me was revolution. I mean, to, it blew my mind. I was like, "Oh, I, oh shit, I am, I'm Revan," and you don't, you know. And and again, I, I played through, I played through that game game multiple times, and I still have it, and I've I've popped it in, and played it a few times, uh, even over the last uh, couple years. But it just it did something that no other uh, game, Star Wars in particular, but no other game had really done before to me. And that was this was the first game to me that was a, it, it was a it made purchasing a console necessary. It's like you may not have the Xbox, but you need it now. And this is like the only game that's worth buying. Maybe Halo. I don't know. I didn't like Halo at the time. So, you know, it was KOTOR's like, hey, everybody's playing this. That's a Star Wars game. I'm going to buy an Xbox. I don't know how much it costs. I'm going to go buy one. Um, Xbox, what? Microsoft? I hate Microsoft. Yeah, but it's KOTOR. You know, so... Uh, it, 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 uh, you know, the idea that I could walk into a room by the end of that game, and I've, I've said this multiple times on, on other episodes, but the, you felt so powerful. I never even had to pull out my lightsaber by the end of that game. I would just force lightning or force storm the entire room and kill everybody and then go to the next room. And I was evil. I know. Yeah. But I wasn't as evil because I still played the game the way that I would play it. It's like there's certain guys I was like, oh, yeah, you need to die. And then the next guy would be, you know, I would be a little bit more fair. So I was definitely more of a gray Jedi, which actually hurts you in that game. Because there's a force, uh, you're, there's one of the planets, and I, I'm, I can't remember off the top of my head which planet it is. But it's it's where, it's I don't think it's Korban, but it's one of the planets where you can venture into one of the force caves. But you have to be aligned. You have to be a certain level of Sith or a certain level. Oh, yeah. And if you're not high enough, you can't even go in there. And I had made a, a, some decisions that were more gray in the area. And so I wasn't evil enough to go into that cave at the time. And I was like, well, shit. You know, I mean, that, that it, it, it affected. And, and that was the only unfortunate thing. But I was playing it. I wasn't making decisions just to be as evil or just to be as renegade as you would be in, like, Mass Effect. 
I never did that either, but I made the decision that I thought the character would make based on who I was playing and how I thought of him or her in my mind, and I played a, a male character. So, of course. Um, so, anyway, KOTOR. As we will. As we will, yeah, absolutely. So, KOTOR, KOTOR's my choice. Uh, one of my featured favorites and definitely, I think, one of the, the my favorite games of all time. So. Well, that wraps up this episode of Retro Rebel Gamecast. I want to thank Amanda for this week's discussion. All the notes from this week's episode will be posted on our site, templeofgeek.com. Any questions or comments, feel free to email us at retrorebel at templeofgeek.com. Please head over to iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you download and rate us, because that really helps our show. Until the next time. See you later.